Welcome back for another helping of Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, bringing you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs by me, Ross Bolin, and my dear friend, Mr. Barrett Dudley. Barrett, what is good? Not too much, man. I'm just over here doing uh, risky things with my most powerful piece. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's sexy. Yeah, isn't that sexy? That's hashtag sexy Jess. <laughs> you know, just... Um, Playing some, uh, playing some Bob's maneuver, and <laughs> a little uh, the 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 mariachi trifecta is uh-huh. one of my favorites as well. Uh-huh. It's, it's a great move it's one that I've been doing. Yeah, you play uh, uh, King's Pawn to Rook Seven that, in that yeah, one. Right, uh-huh. right. Everybody knows that. And uh, don't forget about KB KB Four. Yeah, to Pawn Three, <laughs> and that's that's how you pull off the abominable snowman. I'm gonna be honest with you. When I started, obviously, we're gonna talk a little Queen's Gambit today. When I started watching the show, I'm I'm five episodes in now. Mm. Okay, you're almost done, man. I've been Dude, cruising. I, to- I told cruising. you, you cruise through this show. I got sucked. It in. It is a cruiser. Sucked me in, Barrett. Sucked me right in. Tractor beam. Tractor beam. <laughs> sucked me right in. <laughs> and uh, I got through five this weekend, man. I'm, I obviously love it, like everybody does. I, if to come forward with a anti Queen's Gambit opinion right now would be completely asinine. We all no, need no, something to get behind. Would, yeah, we've got this. Don't fuck with it. It's great. Yeah. Um, and when I started watching, I was like a couple episodes in, you know, I'm like, man, you know, cause I know how to play chess. Um, I have a chess board. Chess has always been in my life for some reason. Like I was in chess club when I was a, a little kid in middle school. Shouts to Mr. Smithwick. He had a mustache. That's not a he real. was our history teacher. It's a real name. <laughs> Swear to God. St. Francis Episcopal day school. Google him. Um, I, I, I want to say he's still with us. The dude was, was one of my favorite teachers. It's like one of the, I, I remember like three teachers, Barrett. My memory is not great. So this guy's real. Okay. And uh, I was in chess club with him. And then my grandma always had a chess set at her house. So like during the holidays, during Thanksgiving, during Christmas, I would always play chess against like somebody, one of my cousins um, or my dad or whatever. And then I got a chess board in my house. Uh, at one point, somebody gave it to me as a Christmas gift. And it's a really nice one. It's all like the stone pieces. It's really sexy chess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I've like periodically, I've just always kept up with it. I know how to play it. I know how to set the board. So as I'm watching the show, I felt sexy too. I was like, I can do all of these things. And then they got to the part where he was like, only the good chess players know the names of the squares. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> because I don't know a single one of the names of the squares yeah, as you just yeah. uh, revealed as we were shouting out no, completely no. There, inaccurate. There is, there are, there are two brands of chess players. Mm-hmm. There are chess players such as you and I, such as you and me. Amateurs. That know how to set up the board. We know how the pieces move. We do. And we and we could get a chess board right here, and we could play a game of chess. We could play some chess. Then there's the that's that's that is the the base level chess player. Then there's a chess player. Then there are people that actually know chess and know an opening or two and know the openings the, hashtag openings and and know the hashtag mudgate and then and they they know the you know the what the squares are called and it, that's just like another. That's another level of, uh, of of playing this game. You know it, what I mean? It really is, though. Like, you go up against somebody who knows, like, when you moved your first pawn, they know what they're going to do for the next five moves because they know openings. Mm-hmm. You're fucked. Yeah. You're, oh, yeah. You're, you're toast. That's not a thing that you're going to be able to overcome. They're going to perform a very quick execution of your king. Yeah. And yeah. then you go, oh, 
oh, there's other levels to this shit. That's right. That's right. Yeah. There's yeah. levels to this. There are levels to this shit, as we see in Queen's Gambit. And we'll get into the show uh, uh, more specifically here in a little bit. We've got a lot to talk about today. We've got tidbits and such with Barrett. we got Queen's Gambit. I finished Blind Manor, so we're going to talk about the finale. And then we have huge announcements regarding 2021 plans for this podcast in general and our Patreon subscribers and supporters. And really, everybody who listens to this show will want to know this news that we have for 2021 coming up at the end of today's podcast. Podcast. So let's get started. This episode of OCC is brought to you by Felix Gray Glasses. Barrett and I constantly have our faces and screens from morning to night, as do all of you at this point. There is no cutting back. 2020 has changed the game. We're all required to stare at screens all day now to get our jobs done, to stay in touch with friends and family. Um, technology was already at the forefront of our lives. Now it's even more extreme. And screen time, too much of it can result in tired, dry eyes, headaches, blurry vision, trouble sleeping. These are problems I've experienced pretty much my whole life uh, as, as a severe cell phone addict and then also a dude who wears contacts and glasses and lives in like the allergy capital of the world in Austin, Texas. But not since I've been wearing my Felix Grey blue light glasses. They launched in 2016 with the singular focus of offering the most effective computer glasses on the market with all the quality of brand name designer frames. They quickly became the internet's favorite blue light glasses. They filter out 90% of high energy blue light, eliminate 99% of glare, that harsh glare coming from your screens. Huge. The second you slide them on, you're going to feel the improvements. I wear mine all the time when I'm gaming late at night, when I'm watching TV shows before bed, when my eyes are worn out and tired after a long day. And other, uh, unlike other brands who use cheap blue light coatings that are ineffective and can chip or scratch, Felix Grey uses a proprietary blue light technology that's embedded directly into the lens. They're available in prescription, non-prescription, readers. Felix Grey has you covered with optical glasses for work and sleep glasses in the evening that are clinically proven to inc- increase melatonin secretion when worn leading up to bedtime. So get yourself some Felix Graves today. I've got the Faraday frames, also the Nash, if you want a couple of different styles to look at on their site. I trust Felix Gray because they make the best blue light glasses in the game. I've been wearing them for years. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC and get a pair of blue light glasses from the pros today. Shipping and returns totally free when you go to felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC, felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC. And now it's time. For everybody's favorite segment, Tidbits and Such, with Barrett. Yeah, baby. Um, okay, tonight. Tonight. You've tonight. Got some, you've got some viewing options. Obviously, we're continuing with uh, Tasha as The Bachelorette. Not sure if you knew this, Ross, if you kept up, but but Claire was The Bachelorette. Well, now it's Tasha because, because of a whole lot of drama. Opposing this, opposing this, the uh, the competition is a show that we've uh, we've mentioned briefly here. It is Big Sky. And Big Sky, actually, you know what? Big Sky is the other Montana show. Big Sky is the other Montana show. And actually, now that I'm saying this out loud, it might not actually be uh, competition. It might be coming on right after. That's uh, Yeah, it's coming on tonight after The Bachelorette. Is it on the it's same on network? On ABC, yes. It's, it so is they're the leading Big, into Big Sky. Big Sky is debuting. And Big Sky... It was kind of a joke when I first brought it up. I was just kind of talking about the hubbub of the of you know how everybody wants a piece of that that big Montana sky oh, at the yeah. moment. Oh, you know, oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And it's just like, how could you not when you absolutely. just when you saddle up your stallion and you get out there, you look at those mountain ranges, those sweet sweet mountain ranges, and then you just thank your stars that that you're standing there yeah. under that under that be- big beautiful big sky because it's big sky country. Anyways, um, but this is this is da- a David E. Kelly show. Which yeah, which is a serious thing. It's a serious thing. This guy is uh, care. he's a pro. He's a pro. This guy he does work. Consummate professional. Yeah, he's he's good at TV. 
And uh, it's got Ryan Phillippe in he it. Did, he did Ali McBeal, Big Little Lies, Boston Legal. These are respected shows. Very respected shows. The Practice. Indeed. I mean, like, it just goes on and on. The Practice, yeah. And writer, too. Great writer. Amazing writer. So, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it, we've got Ryan Phillippe here starring. It's obviously going to be kind of procedural, but but I think that they probably are going to try to do a little bit of serialization in this one, you know? Make it like a step, just one tiny step up from your, your general broadcast television. Sure. And, um... I mean, like early reviews are are pretty good. That it's it's a fun show. So I'm not I'm not telling you that I'm going to watch Big Sky, but I'm not saying that I'm not going to just hang around after the Bachelorette and just maybe look see what the f- first fifteen minutes. minutes feel like. I'll be honest with you. The, the thing that majorly concerns me about Big Sky is is the star, is Ryan Phillippe. Yeah, that's the thing that I'm like, I don't just, don't trust this guy. It's not that I don't trust him. I just don't. I don't trust him. I've seen know? Ryan Phillippe in a lot of stuff where I'm like, is this guy just a terrible actor? Right? Right. He's not a good actor, is he? No. How, not... How's he How's he getting these deals? How's he getting these these gigs? I don't know. It strikes me as kind of like a Vince Vaughn in True Detective season two move. Like, mm, mm. try to revitalize a guy that you think's got some talent. Yeah. And, you know, people know him. He's a name brand. So, he's got some draw automatically. Okay. You're kind of like... Like my my main interest in the show, I guess, is if if Felipe will be able to pull off, yeah, doing stuff. I mean, my main interest is I just you know, just getting back out there. <laughs> Any enjoying, excuse for you enjoying huh? the uh, the big sky. Yeah, you just want to wear a hat. Just a can't cowboy wait to get hat. back out there to the big sky and assless chaps. That's what that's what. Big yeah, I will is. put on my. I will I will switch out of my my uh, crown of roses tonight and put on my assless chaps for big sky. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned Vince. You mentioned not after I take a sip of water. <laughs> Vince Vaughn in True Detective season two. Yeah, perfect segue. Um, <laughs> for for this next piece of such here. Uh huh. So last week, I think right before we did our Patreon episode the night before, um, I was kind of working late. We just had shit on in the background, and Laura had never seen the movie Old School, two thousand and three's Old School. This movie is seventeen years old now. Classic. Uh... Frat guy comedy. Yeah. yeah. And um, so we just had it on. We put it on in the background. And and these these movies are always interesting to go back and rewatch for for a variety of reasons. One, they were very they were very formative and and this was like the second set of movies for us. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was there was the original ones that molded us. Happy you know, Gilmore, that we were Billy that we Madison, were that we were born in. Tommy Boy, uh, other people just merely adopted them. Sure. The ones you just named, Billy Madison, Tommy Boy, yes, Ace Ventura, both Ace Ventura, Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber, all, Dumb all and Dumber. those, all of those films. Absolutely. And then there was the second set, you know, which, which, which they, uh, you know, those so were the we ones were we were born school, in. Basically, the next ones we were molded by. Sure. Right. Sure. Now we're talking Zoolander, old school, Wedding Crashers. Yeah. Like that. Anchorman. That, yeah, Anchorman. More that, all those kind that run in the early two thousands there right so it's always interesting to go back like the 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 ones step that we were born the ones that were step brothers yeah exactly the ones that we were born in they age flawlessly I can go back and watch any of those movies I laugh my ass off dude. I agree these ones in the early two thousands have a different flavor and it's always it it can because be, they got edgier man yeah it can be sticky and they don't always <laughs> age, they don't always age well yes I was shocked at how well this one has has aged. Really? Yeah, it That's was huge news. It was really, really funny, and there aren't that many like, you know. Obviously, there are bits and pieces where you're like, oh, yep, yep. You'd you'd cut that in 2020, but not many, not many. It's pretty, it's it's pretty down the middle, 
And I, I think the funniest thing is that while I found the movie really funny, all this the stuff that we quoted when we were in high school, uh-huh. are uh, that stuff is all the, is not funny. It's no. the least funny. They they are the least funny moments of the film. And I just it's that that's another piece that's fun to go back and watch is how you know these guys Judd Apatow and 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 the whole gang that that uh, Todd Phillips that were making these movies and then all the actors it's it's like the Hangover the Hangover they they know what is what pieces of the movie are aimed at the eleven teen and fifteen and seventeen year olds and then they know what pieces of the movie are aimed at you know, 25 plus. Yeah. Sometimes I want, like you and I talked about this a little bit and I can't remember if it was off mic or on Patreon or, or what, but I wonder sometimes if it's, is it the right, it's just a really well-written movie that naturally will have elements that you have that are funny when you're a kid, funny when you're older, funny when you're, you know, up into your middle age, whatever. Or is that something that's intentional? Like, like, do they actually s- sit there and say, do we have enough for Gen Z, do we have enough for the millennials? Do we right. have enough for the baby boomers or whatever? Like, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. In, in the case of old school, I feel like it's just that's just well written in a way where you could read through it and be like, this is all just very well done, and it doesn't have things that could potentially like. It's just there's certain things that age poorly, right? Um, and it's like when you push the envelope in certain ways, you take the risk of aging poorly. Mm-hmm. Like with, the, especially because the last five, 10 years right. have been so full of social change. There's a lot of jokes, man. And even in rap and in music too. Sure, yeah. I'll go back and listen to to, to lyrics in songs that I love from the early 2000s. And I'm like, well, can't say that shit anymore. <laughs> no siree. Uh, it, it doesn't even have anything to do with race. It's just, there'll be like stuff about sexuality that I'm like, that's quite offensive in 2020. So yeah, it's weird, but but it's good to hear that old school is one that ages well because it seriously is. There are parts of this movie that are so so funny, like this dude getting drunk at the wedding and getting on stage and giving a speech and going, "True love is hard to find." <laughs> Sometimes you think you have true love, and then you catch the early flight home from San Diego, and a couple of nude people jump out of your bathroom <laughs> blindfolded like a goddamn magic show, ready to double team your girlfriend. Yeah, like yeah. that's funny at fifteen. And it's even funnier post-divorce at 33. Well, and a lot of this movie is 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 very funny in the light of of long-term relationships. Like another yes. another example yes. that's funny for both. Good like point. Everybody always quotes the, you know, oh, Home Depot, maybe Dude, we'll go to Best Buy. Like, this uh, is a genius point, though. Bed Bath & Beyond, I don't know if there will be time. That was funny. That's a relationship it is, joke. It is even funnier when you have spent the last seven months going to Home Depot every fucking weekend. As Barrett has. Like, it is, like, once once that's real for you... It's even funnier. It's even funnier and hits yeah, dude. entirely different. Think about all the different elements of this. They've got Mitch, girlfriend, single, ends up single, right? Not married. Yep. Never been married. You've got Frank, the tank, who's newly married. You've got a newlywed and the hilarity that goes with that and then inevitably him falling apart and getting a divorce, yes. which is also hysterical. <laughs> You've got uh, uh, Vince Vaughn who owns whatever the fuck the name of his fucking, what is the name of his store? It's Studio City or something like that. I can't remember. Speaker City. Speaker, Speaker City. City. You've got the Speaker City owner Yep. Uh, who's married and has a Married, kid. two kids. One of them's a newborn, and, earmuffs. Yep. The, and then their earmuffs kid. So they cover like every element of yeah. sort of male- Yep. Progression through your your early twenties to like 
late 30s really yeah yeah and and that's another like like one the i think one of the reasons that this mo- that this particular movie holds up so well is because it hits at this thing that a lot of movies you know the the two, two others that are kind of in this realm that are a little bit more recent that come to mind are actually two amy polar films um the one about the one where they set their house up as a casino i can't remember what that's called but it has will ferrell on it and then the one with her and Tina Fey that I believe is called Sisters. One's called The House. The House, yeah. And then uh, I think the one is co- with her and Tina Fey is called Sisters. But all three of these yes, movies correct. are about that. what they hit on, what they capture is that even no matter your age, especially into like your mid-30s and even beyond, you never really lose that desire to like let it all hang out and like go to a fucking badass house party. Sure. And, and just, and get wild. Right. And so like clearly you don't the 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 the, it kind of it just picks on that that kind of inner desire that even though you're not doing that every weekend, even though maybe you don't even get to do that once a year anymore. Right. Everybody still kind of wants that that because that's what the the party about. That's what the movie's about. It's the guy with the kid and the wife, but he still wants a place to party. Yeah. You know, it's the dude who's just got married, but he still wants a place to party. (laughs) The guy who's single and he's like trying to date, like find his way in the world, but he still wants a place like, yeah. No, that that translated a lot, and it's also that's the part of it that's, it's a it's a fraternity movie that they found a way to make it wide ranging and appealing to people who don't like fraternities. Well, but that that and that that was an obvious the the way they did that was obvious. The yeah. fraternity is extremely inclusive. Yes, age, race, like n- not okay. I guess they don't have women in it, but yeah, but but that's that's just a difference between fraternity and sorority, right? Like right. The one they're. By their nature, they are only one sex. One sex. Yeah. Um, but but they in but, most cases. But it's a very inclusive fraternity compared to the experience that that most, most people have. Have yeah, especially uh, back in the day. I mean, it's yeah. become more and more inclusive over the last fifteen years. But it it was very much not inclusive um, yeah. so in the, the, the way that setup. We had from, black had, fraternities. You had white fraternities. You have you have sororities that are only. <laughs> it's, it was completely ridiculous, frankly. Right, right. Uh, but but you know they've they've got everybody, all all races and all people that look all sorts of different ways. People and that blue, are maybe not even in school. Hundred that are, years old. Yeah, people that aren't in school. Not traditional uh, students. It, so. The la- you know the the final thing that I wanted to touch on here is that this was a, a also a moment in time that captured so many famous people in this film. Like Very true. the cast was incredible, and it's fun to look back for a couple of different reasons on the trajectory that these people ended up on because you had the, your three main stars: Luke Wilson, Will Ferrell, and Vince Vaughn, who all would go on to very successful careers, continuing to do some stuff like this, and then obviously branching out into all sorts of other. Uh, you know, avenues as well, more serious fare. Yeah. Then just below that, you had Jeremy Piven as Dean Pritchard. At the height of Entourage this success was, too, right? No, right after No, it? this was the last role he ever did as not cool Jeremy Piven. Really? So this is pre- This is more- Ari th- This is, there's Seinfeld where Jeremy Piven is literally playing a, a the, t- the TV, the character of a character where he's George. Oh, right, right, right. He is playing George. So the, the, sh- the schmuck- the balding schmuck. Okay. Right? That's Jeremy Piven in like the mid-90s. And then you have Jeremy P- Piven 2003 as the nerd, dickhead, dean, dean of old school. And then like the very next year, he gets cast as Ari Gold 
and his cool, badass Hollywood Jeremy Piven. Yeah, the- two years later, 2004, yeah. two years later, and then for seven years, he's Ari Gold. And then he's badass And then now he, and he completely changes, he completely flips the script on wow. what type of actor he is. And his wife in Entourage is Perry Reeves, who's also in this movie. She's Will Ferrell's wife. That's very true. Uh, the other, the other, the other really, really interesting person here is Ellen Pompeo. Oh yeah, who is uh, Luke Wilson's love interest? Right, and she is one year away from becoming the most highly paid actress on television because of I Grey's think, Anatomy, and I think in television history now because of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, that's unbelievable. which is still going on. Also, Leah Remini, we and brought Leah, her up. Leah she, Remini is in it. She's Laura, and she's. Uh, we brought her up recently because of the Scientology situation. He's got another documentary on on uh, Scientology on Netflix now. You got Craig Kilborn. Alicia Cuthbert is in this movie. Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott shows up as the as the donkey trainer. I love you, man, but you're crazy. You're crazy. You're, you're crazy, you got man. A fucking dart in your uh, neck. Matt Walsh, the guy that plays uh, Mike Mike in Veep, is in it. Artie <laughs> Lang is in it. Uh, who else? You got, you got Rob Corddry. When he still had a nose. Rob Corddry is in this film. Oh my god, he's one of the pledges. Oh yeah. What the hell? That's before he was even famous. Yes. Like, I didn't even know who he was. Yeah. Yeah. You have to scroll way down to, to even not, get to him. He's on the not cast even list. on the first page of the no, cast list no. on IMDb. Um Yeah, they really cast the shit out of this. This was like Todd Phillips like peaking, frankly. I mean the hangover was, I guess, but this is pretty fucking close. This is like pre pre full blown Hollywood reputation where everybody in America knew who he was. Yeah. He pieced together like this incredible SNL style almost cast right, right. with a hundred different people who were going to crush their whole careers and made a hilarious movie that, that aged well. And then that's a, that's a rare accomplishment. And then final note here, all the way back around, also don't forget that this is the guy that made Joker last year. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yeah. That's so, Todd Phillips, man. That's Todd Phillips. He's had a career, dude. Some, he's, he's, he's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. He's not poor. That's for sure. Yeah. Th- this movie is... I, I, Unless he's really blowing it. Uh, Todd Phillips, this is his nicest movie, I think. You know, he's kind of got this this reputation as... He's this kind of edgy, like, anti-PC kind of, you well, know... now. For sure now. Ass. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, he made, he made Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. So, yeah. And The Hangover, which is more irreverent than old school and goes further. True. There are parts of old school that, I mean, even the shit that's inappropriate, the couple of lines that are inappropriate about old school, you can frame up to be f- hilarious and inappropriate. The, 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 the really, the, the cab big, driver's a homophobe. The biggest thing that stood out to me is uh, that, it's, that it's played for a joke that Luke Wilson sleeps with his boss's daughter who is in high school. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh... that's the biggest one. And frankly, that was that way almost a little bit when it came out. Like, it was like, whoa, your life would be ruined, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's they don't not even, funny. They, they don't even try to, like, statu- drop in a line there to, like, statutory. make 18 either. Yeah, like, give us something to no, yeah, paint yeah. this in a better light. At one point, he's, like, meeting with her dad, and she comes in, and it's like, what, dude? Yeah. She's 16 or uh, I did not like, realize that Todd Phillips also did Project X, though. Did you commit statutory? That's pretty, that's that's interesting. Like, in the first 20 minutes of the film? <laughs> did you? Owen? 
Uh, yeah, great movie though overall. Yeah, so definitely a fun one to revisit. And I was, I was, I was happy because a couple of these I've gone back recently, and they just they that you're like, ah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no. Nah. Yeah. This started happening to us. Throw, Barrett and throw, I open throw this one in the in the in the fire. Haggard was Pandora's box, dude. Yeah, it was. Let's just be real. But I enjoyed old school. It was it was good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll Any go. other such that's or tidbits? No, nope, that's it. That's it. We can move. Well, on. beautiful, beautiful. We will move on. This episode of OCC is also brought to you by Echelon. Everyone knows I'm back on the uh, Ross Fit Grind, all 2020, baby. We're going to come out of this shitstorm of a year harder, better, faster, stronger, like 2007 Kanye West. And when it comes to uh, getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can get you there, offering the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Stride Smart Treadmill no matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a chance, a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of home with their world-class instructors motivating you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. Unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. I got my mom one. Go check out their prices. So much more affordable than all the name brand uh, fitness equipment that you're probably more for- uh, familiar with. And right now, you can try Echelon Fitness Equipment at home for 30 days when you go to echelonfit.com dragon. That's E-C-H-E-L onfit.com slash dragon to try any echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days and now it's time to talk a little more sexy chess so i'm up through uh can, do, can we do light spoilers today with with the queen's gambit are people i'm i'm i feel like yeah. i'm behind uh, most yeah, people I, are in front of me i would say that's correct we, okay. we can go up and i'm only one like there's only seven episodes here didn't realize that now i'm a little bit scared and I and I've seen six. I've I've, I've for very for a variety of reasons. I've I've not been able to get to the f- the finale. Now the reason I ask if we can do light spoilers, if you can't, I'm just going to throw out one thing that's going to be sort of a baseline for what I've seen up to. Okay, I'm going to throw out the last major event that happens that I can remember. Okay, so hit skip now if you don't want to hear it. Her mother passes away. Okay, you've seen this. Yes, you've seen this. Have you heard about this? I've heard, I've heard about okay. this. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And I, and I think that might even be in episode six that I started perhaps. And then I was like, whoa, what the shit, man? I don't have, I'm not focused. And I no, paused. No, that it. happens in, in. Or is that five? I think that's five. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's like, there's an episode that, that, whatever that one where her mom dies, that last one I watched that I was a little in and out of. So that being said, last time we discussed Queen's Gambit, all we had really discussed was, you know, you were pitching us all on the show. Yeah. The hype had been built. Everybody was talking about it. It's the rage on Twitter and Instagram and social media, blah, blah, blah. My mom's hitting me for weeks now. You've got to watch Queen's Gambit. So, uh, and my, my co-host on the Ross Boland podcast as well, you've said it. Uh, so I dive in. Like you said, it's very addictive. It's a super easy binge. It's kind of one that where an episode ends and you're like, man, time flies. This was, I was, a, I was a whole episode. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's just do the next one. And the next thing you know, you're, you're, you know, almost done with the entire season. A lot of people are watching this thing in a day on like a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And it is really engrossing, man, the way they've done this. And and uh, one of my first kind of thoughts, obviously I saw a lot of jokes about the the pill popping, all right, on Twitter. and the, and the Directed at you? No, no, just in general. I saw good jokes on Twitter about like people trying to like pop pills and see, uh, see chess boards on their ceilings and mm, shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... And that one is, it's so weird. So like, why were they giving all these kids tranquilizers, man? So- There must be some historical context. There has to be. And I actually meant to look that up, but then I didn't. 
And I just, but, but like you said, I'm just assuming that this was a, a kind of a known thing that, you know, in, in the middle of the, of the 20th century, 1930s, 40s, 50s, they were just tranking the little orphan kids. Yeah. And I mean, she obviously to, to keep things, uh, you know, level. <laughs> so the, the green pill, apparently, according to Newsweek, is called Zanzalam and, uh, it is likely a fictional version of Librium or Chlordazine. I can't say these words. It was a pill in the 1960s, which is where the Queen's Gambit is set, approved for medical use in 1960 that was delivered in half green capsules used as a treatment for those with anxiety or insomnia, often prescribed to deal with symptoms that come from withdrawal from alcohol or drugs as well. Which is... Mm-hmm. I can see how that could perhaps be a thing that was abused at places like that orphanage, and maybe there was a specific story from history that they went off of. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah. Um, but that's a really strange element because obviously she struggles with the the result of that later on, uh, the result of that addiction, and it takes forms in different ways. And really, she has to cope with a lot of loss and pain, and the 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 situation with her family even before her mother's uh, ultimate situation. Um, <laughs> Is is not good. Her stepdad is such an asshole, um, just totally disconnected. Yep. They clearly lost a daughter that was around her age, right? That they're trying to sort of replace. I uh, think is the vibe I got. They had lost. They had lost a daughter. I'm pretty positive. Yeah, I didn't actually. I, I read that as as her having lost a, either a pregnancy or a young young child. I thought they lost one that was like her age when they adopted her. And that, I don't that think, was maybe I don't the, think so. Maybe not. Maybe not. I'm not sure. But that was the vibe I got. Um, but they're a damaged home, right? Yeah. They're a broken home. The dude is never really there. The mom is so... Uh, I, th- I think she's one of the best characters in the show. The she's mom. great. Yeah. Because she does such a good job of sort of capturing like the whimsical nature of this housewife sensation that swept the nation, right? to make a little rhyme. Um, there was a point where many of these women were, that were sort of like felt obligated to stay in the home, raise the children, do the housework or whatever. That's like sort of a, I mean, frankly, an unfulfilling life. And she was living that version of life. And then she finds some freedom in the form of her daughter's success. And there's an unhealthy sort of scale there, right? It's a little weird that element because she didn't i mean let's be she wasn't a great mom right yeah she wasn't it, a great mom and then she's she's benefiting greatly from this little girl's success and talent yeah i mean i think that she's not a great nurturer i i, I the the nuance of their relationship is one of my favorite things about the show it really is it's because she, she, um you know uh I, man my, i'm having a, a brain fart here what's our protagonist's name i'm pulling beth, her, i'm beth. pulling everybody up beth beth, beth beth comes in to the to the home and is not a not a child really anymore yeah you know what i mean she's had to do a lot more growing up in the she's orphanage a, than most kids her age she's a teenager yeah she's, she's she lies about how old she has to lie about how old she is saying she's 13 when she's really 15 right right so the relationship the a couple years the relationship off. already is is unique and that it's going to be a mother-daughter relationship but there's not going to be a lot of mothering that needs to be done at this point. And so you can True enough. you can tell right away that they what they're establishing is more of a friendship, is more of like a of like a you know a, a, a um they are um companions. 
Yes, really. they're, very they're, much they're, so. They're fulfilling each other's need for for just somebody in your life that like maybe sort of cares about you a little bit and gets it right. And yeah. so so the fact that you know that we we obviously continue along and and uh you know her mom like sees this opportunity to 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 use Beth's talent to get to travel and to have a life have, to have really. fun and to have a life to live. But at the same time, you're watching that and you, you never really feel bad for Beth in that way or like she's being used. Well, cause frankly, because frankly, her situation was worse before. Exactly. And she, she needed an opportunity, her mom and her mom to help, to help, to yeah. get her to these places and be and travel with be her, that be companion sort of manager, and be that, be that manager. 10%. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and the, I think they really kind of hammer that home. I think is what she ends up giving her. where, where her mom, like they have that conversation that's about to be awkward where her mom has to ask for a percentage. Like, Hey, it's that weird stage mom thing. Like, um, so I need some of this you, money. You're going to have to pay me some of this. And she throws out a number and Beth immediately goes over that number. And they're all good. And to make it all good. Right. right. Like that, that's like, that's like the moment where it's, you get that it, this is totally mutual. And then it continues. And like, she's obviously not the best mother. No, she's, she's, she's an alcoholic. She's one. sharing drinks with her underage child. Who already and has like, a drug problem. Letting her spend the night over at random houses with boys that she's never met before, doesn't know where, you know, well, but going again, to college parties. And if you like, frame it up, though, like, Alice, her mom, never did that, right? The most risky thing she ever did was have a Mexican pen pal mm -hmm. that ends up kind of being a sleaze bag. <laughs> that was it, man. So she's watching Beth do this stuff, and I'm sure, you know, there's the motherly instinct to be like, now be, be careful or whatever. But she doesn't want to restrict her. Right. She really does. And she makes no effort to yeah. try to keep her from experimenting, doing fun shit, learning on her own, really, because I think she knows she didn't really live life much yeah. up until this point. So Yeah, so and so so as the as the episodes go on, those those first five episodes, I was I just really enjoyed their relationship because you're a little nervous that it's going to, to go, go totally bad. toxic. Right. Yeah. Because that's happened so often in stories. Right. right? And and because of of the nature of their relationship because where there's there's money involved and yeah exactly they like you know there's there's all sorts of potential pitfalls but the fact that they are able to just kind of like be each other's kind of confidant yeah is really nice and so even though you know that like it's a weird relationship it's a weird relationship and maybe it's not the healthiest for either one of them you you know that there's love there, and that's kind of both of their, their lives part. are improved by the relationship. Yeah. I think yeah. you, you. I don't think you could argue against that. Yeah, um, and it's better than nothing, right? And it's be and both of them have something instead of nothing, and that's that's the biggest one for them both. And it really is, as you said to me, that's one of the more captivating elements of the show is the relationship between Beth and Alice, Beth and her mom. Um, what is the name of the gentleman who trains her down in the basement, Mister Scheibel? Yeah, played by Bill Camp, our man Bill Camp. Another great, an, uh, obviously one of the more fascinating characters in the show, and one that up until the point I've watched, we don't know much about. No, he's this janitor down in the basement of the orphanage that Beth, for whatever reason, nobody ever requires her to go to class. So she's just, or she finishes her schoolwork so quickly that she's always sent down to the basement to pound out erasers. And Mister Scheibel's just down there drinking whiskey and playing chess. To, with himself because that's what <laughs> this crazy old codger's decided to do with his life. Mm -hmm. uh, but we really don't know why necessarily he's good at chess, why he's connected to, per, in, in example, the high school chess guy who comes in and then plays with Beth and then sees that she's got talent and that sort of begins her on this path to stardom. We don't have really any explanation for Mr. Scheibel yet. Um, and I'm hoping we get some more of his background at some point. 
Yeah, because he not, seems to be a very important character. Still, they've produced, they've, they've sort of. She talks about him when she gives the interview. That's her right? mentor. Like it's that's yeah, who yep. gave her this yep. opportunity, and it seems like that relationship. Now that Beth's mother is going to be uh, uh, in a different situation, um, <laughs> there's an opportunity there for Mr. Scheibel to perhaps take a bigger role in Beth's life, I think. Yeah, I, I, based on the setup for episode seven, it's definitely possible that we get more but for, in, in the finale. But I don't think he's going to show up as any type of like... Reoccurring major character? Ma- major mentor. Hmm. Um, I, I think that... There's a there's a strange element in those first two episodes where I was getting some weird vibes between like the high school chess teacher and Beth and a little bit from Mr. Scheibel and Beth. And I I couldn't tell how creepy they were trying to in like what level of creepiness they were insinuating there with Scheibel and Beth. Now, after after having watched almost the entire thing, what I believe is is happening throughout the series is that Beth has, I guess I would say, a, a, a um, she has an, an interesting relationship with men in general. And they, 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 I think that in general, they are attracted to her and potentially want something from her. And then she's also, you know, one of the main themes throughout the series is that she's living in this very, very male-dominated world of chess sure. and wants to be taken seriously just as a chess player, not as a chess player that is a woman. Yes, that is definitely right? a theme of the show. And so there, so the, I think that the, the, I think there's just this relationship that the show is kind of like picking out a little bit about like, you know, wh- her history and 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 how she is how she does deal with men, how she is able to deal with men, how she, like, some of the weird, you know, uh, I mean, just yeah. the, weir- the weird quirks that in, in the in the various relationships that she does have with men, because not do we have Mr. Shiable first, and then we have Towns, and then we have um, Be- uh, Belvic, or, wh- or yeah, the, well, I mean, whatever she, the guy's name is. She loses her own dad in a car accident. And then we've got Benny. You she know, loses like, her stepdad to abandonment, basically. Scheibel becomes sort of her de facto her mentor, de facto male dad, dad, sort of. Yeah, I, yep. I'll say I never got any creepy vibes from Scheibel. Okay, I, the uh, high school teacher. I wasn't high sure, school teacher a little bit. I really could not tell if I was supposed to be getting those vibes or not. Yeah, I, I feel you. Maybe but the high just, school teacher. Maybe, maybe it's a just this crazy QAnon world that we live in these days. I think that's a, where a big everybody's part of it. ears are just like extremely sensitive and perk up as soon as there's. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, but the high school teacher, I could see a little bit more, but it was less about sexuality and more about like the way he was treating her because she was a girl. Yeah. Like bringing her the doll. Right. Instead of, you know. Right. A chess book. And or then whatever, obviously. Or, or whatever else. This comes up sort of repetitively down the line as, as at one point she's called the, uh, what does she say? They call her something and she says co-champion. She keeps having to defend herself based on her sexuality, basically, mm-hmm. or her sex. And yeah, it's it's. De- I'm interested to see where it goes from here, especially because they've started to play with it a little bit. She's she's hooking up with boys. She's doing stuff like that. Her mom is now gone. Like, where is she gonna put the pain of another loss? Like mm-hmm. the stepmother that was her mother and also her confidant, her best friend, sort of. Not sort of her best friend, point blank. Not an orphan best friend, and uh, the person who was managing her and taking ten percent and helping her get around. Like, what? Where's that gap? That's the big next big thing I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, Anya Taylor Joy, 
is uh, ridiculously, ridiculously talented. Very, this is, very talented. This has been a really cool breakout. Obviously, yep. you need a breakout almost to have this level of uh, attention drawn to your show. You need something really special to happen. Yep. And she's been a big part of that. Uh, Indeed. The, the pill popping, chess on the ceiling shit, man. Every, I, every time I see it, I'm like, God, that's dope. And I've, I don't know where the drug was. I'm trying to make that me. happen. I just never got that experience, <laughs> and I'm I feel like I missed out, and I've exited the drug phase of life, and it just now I can never play chess on the ceiling, and that's kind of a bummer. It, it is weird that, isn't it kind of weird that like this tranquilizer is, is making, making you hip balls, is making you hypnot, is making you uh, hallucinate? Here's my argument: the tranquilizer is giving Beth the calm. In putting her in a mental state where she being a genius, we saw her mom, there was clearly her mom was special. She was very smart, um, but had serious di- Correct. mental health issues, yeah. perhaps. A, a brilliant math mind yes. is what we take away from like the books that her mom has yes. laying around. So as a result, you can assume Beth, that, that similar Beth has, mind. Yes. Yep. And what I, my, my take with the pills is that they give her the ability to harness that. That they put her in a place where when she's laying there in bed, drugged out of her skull, she can... <laughs> Focus on one singular thing. Okay. It kind of gets the yeah. monkey off her back, if you will. And so that's the sort of thing she's chasing now. She obviously, man, the scene where she straight up yoinks the whole jar and starts shoveling <laughs> them into her mouth. I was like, this is the most hardcore child to ever exist. Like, And that's a weird element to the show. This You're watching this kid get really fucked up on drugs. Yep. That's a weird element, but it's something that's captivating and that everybody has a little feel for with addiction and substance abuse and sort of finding your way in the world of drugs and alcohol as a kid. That's something a lot of people can identify with too. So this show has like a little bit of everything and it's so well executed and it's cool the way it's shot and it's got all these elements like the chess on the ceiling stuff. As Barrett describes it, sexy chess is is very much a part of this too. It's cool to watch these people... I mean, it's cool to watch Beth destroy a bunch of motherfuckers in chess. That's, yeah, yeah. That's fun. So I've had a blast so far. I'm looking forward to uh, continuing it and closing it out. By next week, we should be able to discuss the oh, show yeah. as a whole. Yeah. yeah. If I'm not done by next week, it's because I'm dead. <laughs> that will be the explanation, Barrett. Do uh, you want to move on to talk a little Bly Manor finale? Uh, we can talk a little Bly Manor finale. Yeah, yeah. So I closed it out. I finished it up. You closed it out. Got it done. It as, as you uh, alluded to, it was quite sad. Yes. It was very sad because you're- touching. Yeah, you watch this relationship unfold um, over the course of the final episode. It's the bulk of the final episode, frankly, yep. takes place away from Bly Manor after Danny um, exits, right? And uh, to know, I mean, she leaves, she leaves Bly Manor having saved perfectly splendid, uh, what's her name, <laughs> Flora's life, yeah. right? She leaves Blind Manor having saved Flora's life, and she knows there's a clock yeah, on her to, life. To basically. do so, she has to let. She runs out. The lady in the lake. It's the, you. The, it's me. It's, it's us. us. And that allows the lady in the lake is like, enter. "Oh, sick. Yep. Never mind. I'll just possess oh. this chick." Yep. yep. And Flora gets to go free. As a result, she sees now instead of uh, her ex-boyfriend, who her ex-fiance rather, who died in that tragic car accident. In reflections, she sees. The lady in the lake, and she knows she's lurking, and and at any point, basically, that she could take her is the way it's put. There has to be a lady in the lake. Generally, the rule here. If the lady in the lake now has an out, I don't know why she waits. Not sure what that's about. If I was her, I'd probably just grab Danny straight up instantly. Sick of being in the lake. Yeah, yeah. But and there's also it's strange. Well, you, you have to be invited, right? 
Yeah, but she gets invited, and then she waits forever to actually take her. And Danny lives out years and years of her life uh, with her girlfriend and then wife, inevitably. Yeah. Not perhaps well, legally, but well, we, I mean, they get into that a little as well. Now we're into a piece, a piece of the puzzle that's kind of like open for interpretation. Okay. Right? Because it's like, it's almost, I, I think she, I think the lady in the lake wants to be out. She wants to be not confined to oh, the manor. So she's sort of in right? Danny living that she's getting to experience life through her sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's more what it's about. Okay. Um, it, it, you know, because, because the, the reason I'm saying that is because when Danny does return, that's like, okay, I'm, I'm putting you back in the lake basically right? because there's nowhere else that's safe for you to be. Okay. Yeah. She doesn't trust the lady in the lake to not, full possess her and kill and somebody kill or go on yeah. a nutty who knows yeah this evil entity that's inside her needs to be put somewhere safe so danny has to return to the lake and then as the yeah. show explains she doesn't act as the old lady in the lake did right she is uh, a peaceful presence nobody else disappears yeah. she stays down there she doesn't fuck with anybody danny was a good person so yeah. Yeah. she chooses to be a good ghost um which was devastating to watch. Obviously. Really crushing. Yeah, yeah, it was tough, man. It was because you knew, you knew, man. They weren't, they weren't going to find this show. Was not going to end with a positive note. Them finding some way around it or something. It was always going to be uh, the gardener ending up being the one at the at the house party telling the story, and then Flora being the little girl listening to it, and and that was really cool to see. Um, yeah. Now we saw Miles all grown up. We saw. We saw. I, I do have a. I do have a bit of a nit to pick here pick though. it oh and all grown up too. pick it though Be okay yeah because we're going right uh -huh. we play out the whole thing and then i'm not totally sure that the ages all make sense because when they're living their life in the states and they meet up with owen at the restaurant right and he's telling them about how the kids don't remember anything right he mentions their ages and flora at that point is 17 so miles is like 19 or 20 and then how old do you think Flora's supposed to be at her wedding? Like, what's the what, how, what's the max old oldest she is? 22? Max. Like, what? No, that's not the max. She could be 30. She looks young, dude. Yeah, so, but you you think the the max she is is 22? I'm saying stretch it. What What is the oldest she could potentially like potentially 30 be? 30 max, yeah, then. right? Like I 30. Mean, if you told me she was a, a Russian ballerina, so prima donna receiving anyway, the best skincare every day, maybe so 30. I don't think she's supposed to be 30. She doesn't look all the way 30. She's she, uh, the, the way that they talk about the relationship and the wedding and all that type of stuff is like, it feels like it's, it feels like it's the boyfriend that they were talking about when she was 17, right? So, but let's just say that it is 30. That's 13 years later. We, Danny and, and the gardener were looking, you know, young and fresh. They were, they were like in their 30s. Okay. So now we're pushing them into like maybe their mid forties, late forties, and yeah. yet we go from Gardner to to uh, um, Carla Gugino, all aged up to look like she's fifty five. Okay, so this says I'm on the internet on Screen Rant. In two thousand seven, Floor would be twenty eight years old, and Miles would be thirty years old. So that's by the time the series ends. Because in nineteen eighty seven, Floor is eight, and Miles is ten. It's saying. Okay. So I, I I don't know. That was a weird element for sure. But even when it was, pre, just, I'm just saying when they were little uh, like, kids, uh, they kept fucking with it. How 
I don't feel like I'm always old as I'm supposed to. The, the right, way people would right. time travel and they wouldn't age in the time traveling parts. I, it, it was, it, this was part casting, part makeup, part storytelling. But yeah. even like Owen, like the guy that they had playing Owen, one, didn't look like Owen. And then two, like sort of could have maybe been the same age as Owen. They just like, he was, I don't know. It was weird that they needed to recast Owen. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really understand that decision either. I, I don't know. I just, it, the whole thing was weird. Why didn't they just age up the people that were playing themselves? I don't know. Right? I don't know. Like that make was them odd. a little older. I, I really don't know. Also, Especially like, because they did it at different points. Were, and... we, were, were we maybe showing, were we telling the story with like people that weren't actually the people? Maybe, kind of? maybe a little like, bit. Right? Maybe. I uh, Maybe. I don't that know. was strange, that, man. It took me out of it a little bit. Is it was, what I'm it saying. It was very because odd I, in the because finale. Because I, I was suddenly like trying to do the math to be like, wait, why is why they got Carla Gugino looking old as hell here? So I just went full like, oh, whatever. Not that she I, didn't, and she didn't look bad. They just clearly have like her hair very they went, gray, they went and like they aged, aged her up her a little up. bit, and so they were clearly like pushing that age up. They could have just had Carla Gugino playing it, like her regular age. That was probably the age of that that the, the Gardner was supposed to be. I don't know. I don't know. Ghost story, like I said, man. I'm picking Ghost nits. Stories. I'm picking nits here. You were picking nits, but okay, though. but it, but it did because I loved the final episode. I loved getting to watch the the relationship play out with Danny and what's the gardener's name? We should, we got we got. I, I can't I can't find her because uh, they're not labeling her as the gardener. You know. Yeah. Is it Jamie? Jamie. Yeah, Jamie. Jamie. So that 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 was all really good, and um, Flora gets to live life though, and that's what's yeah. important. That's what's important. Frankly, for the record, if I'm in the same situation. I don't know that I can go full Danny. All right, I got a question here. Uh-huh. Are you sitting there at that rehearsal dinner? You listening to that entire story? God. <laughs> God, no. That premise was ludicrous. Lady, you're scaring us. Yeah. <laughs> they even threw in like, a, I told you it was a long story. <laughs> and everybody was like, okay. Yeah, that was silly, man. Yeah, part don't, of that, don't force the premise that way. Like They, they, they didn't need that. They, they definitely wanted that. Carla Gugino yeah. Back in some form. That's I think that's 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 the first piece of this story. They they didn't need that setup though, where first episode opening is her sitting down to tell the story, closing is it ending up being that she's telling it to these people, and then we get these weird characters who are supposed to be different versions mm-hmm. of it. It's fucking bizarre. Yeah. That was a strange choice. Overall Overall did this did it I end was, as were you are you as high on it? As it ended, as it concluded, as you were on it uh, last week. Maybe perhaps a little lower than I was last week, but okay. overall I was very impressed with the show. I thought it was a great season. It really drew me in. I loved that it was a love story instead of a yeah. horror story. Yeah, I loved totally. the creepy elements that they tied in, um, but the love stories were executed very well, and and man, it, w- it was just, that was a special piece of TV. It's tough to pull that off. As far as creeps go, um, we, we've, we've talked about how this wasn't like the scariest show ever. Right, right. Did you find the kind of faceless lady in the lake with the face there was all rubbed more down? Than enough creepiness for me. That was pretty good. That was all that was the, pretty spooky looking. How you lose your face if you stay there too long or whatever. Her sort of path through the house where you get choked to death if you accidentally get in her way. All the elements of the ghosts and figuring out through the first five episodes who's alive and how they died and blah blah blah. I, that I wish was all they had given cool. me a little bit more on the whole dollhouse thing. Yeah, I still don't understand what the hell happened. Where'd that come from? Did Flora make it? Well, the guy brought it over as sort of like a... When when her uncle was oh, yeah, having okay, the affair okay, with their that's mom, right, that's right. he, he yep, brought it over, yep, but we never right. really got right. how it operates. She just tells us she has a very specific system, and I mm-hmm. believe it's to track 
where everybody is when and the ghosts the to make sure they're safe so that nobody gets choked out and killed because she's obviously seen this happen now multiple times yeah. to multiple different people pre Danny and the the weird the the other weird part is that like I think about like episode one or two when Flora kind of freaks out because Danny picks up the the lady in the lake one mm-hmm. from under the 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 um the dresser yeah why was it under the dresser what did that mean I don't know like she was trying to put her away or something for now i don't know man i I, that's the thing that was unclear about the dollhouse i never came to a full understanding there anyway yeah again we're just like i'm I'm just now i'm just picking nits with with some plot stuff yeah i'm totally with you overall i I thought this was really enjoyable um show for creepy month good solid love story with the with the horror elements in it that was a nice way to go that was a fun fun wrinkle a good way to do a 10 episode season of of uh of horror there. yeah i i agree it was highly enjoyable i'll definitely tune in for the next um installment from this series to see what they bring it's become like a an american horror story in that way but a, mm-hmm. a different version of that sort of anthology you know the haunting of uh of bolin abode yeah no that'd be nice if we could avoid that 2020 <laughs> was a lot let's just not haunt my house <laughs> next year i just want to chill you know yeah speaking of next year Let's get to some of these big announcements. Okay, Today's episode of announcement OCC, time. First of all, is brought to you by Lisa, makers of the greatest mattresses in the world. I routinely argue your mattress is up there with your living room TV in terms of important purchases you make for your home. And you have to ask yourself, is my bed suck a little? Am I getting good sleep? Do I Lisa. remember where I got this bed? Do I? Do you? If not, it's time. Get yourself a new bed. Get yourself one of the best beds in the entire world made by Lisa. They know how important rest is to a better life. Lisa is the foundation of a healthier, happier you. And to Lisa, a bed is more than just a place to sleep. It's a place for relaxation and a place for rest. All of their products at Lisa have been thoughtfully designed to go beyond creating a comfortable bed to transform your bedroom into a sanctuary you want to spend time in. I've been sleeping on their uh, Lisa Legend mattress for for several months now. It is unbelievable. I slept on the, the Lisa Hybrid for years and years before that. I use a Lisa pillow. I've got their blankets. I got Lisa to hook my Mimi and a memory care unit up with a Lisa mattress. They're the best in the world. I love them. You will love them too. And Lisa donates one mattress for every 10 they sell through organizations that work in causes like foster care prevention. To date, they've donated more than 33,000 mattresses through more than 1,000 nonprofits. Lisa mattresses are made in the USA. In-home delivery and setup is available. Financing is also available. Don't miss out. Clam fam, live healthier. Live happier. By resting deeper, order today and get 15% off any mattress for a limited time at lisa.com slash dragon. Use the promo code dragon. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash dragon. Promo code dragon. Lisa! Lisa! And now let's talk the year 2021. Wow. It's almost here, Ross. And what is coming. Can't get here quick enough. Barrett, frankly, it's really, it's December and... The year 2021. That's right. We're starting We're starting early. We are indeed. Because um, we wanted to get a jump on things. On two fronts. And I guess I'll start with my favorite piece of the announcement. We're going to be doing something very, very special on Patreon starting in December. Patreon is changing, as it you know. It is changing. As you know it. It has been a confusing place where we have gotten a lot of love and support over the course of this year from a lot of members of the Moss Militia and Crustacean Nation. And we love all of you and appreciate you. Y'all are awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we hope you've thoroughly enjoyed the episodes you've been given. But what we found is if we want to maintain enough support on Patreon to continue to use that as a, as a means of growing the show and as a means of making sure that Barrett and I are able to do this show in the form we find most fit, then we need to switch up. 
and we need to have something that's a more specific draw, something that's marketable, something that makes sense, that's easy to explain to people. And Barrett and I started talking about this about a year, a year and a half ago, even maybe. And the decision that we made over the past week, a couple weeks, really having some more meetings and really having time to focus on it for, tw- for December and for 2021 and what we want to do with Patreon to get as many listeners of this show in there as possible with something that we think everybody can enjoy and that'll be worth the financial contribution to support this show that you put in. And what we landed on is doing an episode by episode watch of perhaps my favorite television show of all time. HBO's The Sopranos. Forget about it! Now, this is big for a multitude of reasons. (laughs) One, Barrett has never seen The Sopranos. Ross, I'm working here. I'm working here. He's going to do a lot of this over the next (laughs) several years, I imagine. Um, No, there's a lot of things. One, Barrett's never seen it. Two, I've seen it about seven times. Obsessed with the show, love it. As I've said many, many times with Game of Thrones, it was right there as one of my favorites. I think in the end, The Sopranos maintained its spot, frankly, after what we saw in season eight of uh, Game of Thrones, unfortunately. Um, so I'm obsessed with the show. We also have access to some of the actors from the show as a result of some relationships that we've built out over the course of time. And uh, it's a possibility that we could have some of them as guests on Patreon at different points. We'll see. Wow. We'll see what we're able to pull together. Wow. But with the unique perspective of it being a show that Barrett's never seen, a show that I've seen several times, of one that gives us, and we're going to do one episode a week. That's the Patreon plan. So Barrett and I and all of you who want to join us on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles, will starting in December, by the way, December, first week of December, we're doing Sopranos Season 1, Episode 1 on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles, uh, December, first week. Cannot wait. Very stoked. Season one is phenomenal. This is a show that, uh, as I've spoken to in the past, it sort of finds its footing in season one. You'll notice um, a lot of different... Ang- one, of the, one of the things I'm sure we'll discuss is the way Tony sort of finds his voice in episode one versus season two, perhaps. Barrett and I are going to work through episode by episode. We're going to discuss the episodes as we did uh, with Game of Thrones back in the day. Not necessarily scene by scene, breaking them down for... God knows how long, but discussing all the important elements of every episode, getting takes from Barrett. Um, Obviously, I'm not going to be throwing out spoilers about what happens next week or anything like that. So whether you've seen The Sopranos before or you want to enjoy it for the first time, the podcast will be safe for you. And we're just going to analyze what The Sopranos brings to the table on an episode-by-episode basis, starting with Season 1, Episode 1 in December. Yeah, if you haven't noticed, um, one of my favorite things to do recently is go back and reflect on on stuff that um, was inspired or affecting or, or impactful to me culturally important culturally stuff. important over and the over aged. the last you know 20 25 years and and how it aged and and what it kind of hath wrought if Indeed. you will and so the sopranos is obviously we're not the first podcast to, uh, to take this one on we won't be the last no but um it, it's it's arguably the most important show that i've never seen and then, um, you know, people like when we pull back the curtain here. So, so th- this is this is good for a variety of reasons. Obviously, as we've spoken to, the main show for 2021 is going to be a lot more like tidbits and such, and a lot more like the conversations we just had on Queen's Gambit when we when Ross and I both kind of like get captured by a show and are able to like bang it out real quick. What what those shows won't feature as much of is epi- is episodic breakdowns and reviews of television. Right. 
And the so, idea that the obvious thing we ran into this year, especially, was that everything gets so segmented. The show gets very difficult to keep up with podcast wise. The podcast becomes very difficult to keep up with. And then obviously for Barrett and I workload wise, in terms of obviously this not being the only thing that we do for a living. Um, it, it's a lot. That's a lot to watch several hours of TV it a week. And, it's a lot and, to ask of y'all. And it's something that we found to be unreasonable when and, it all came down to it. Right. And then there's no rhyme or reason for, for like, you know, making a decision. Well, should we cover this show on regular or this show on Patreon? Like, how would we make that decision? If anything, that adds that adds uh, an impetus to watch more television if we're going to cover other stuff on Patreon versus the ad-based. Um, it, it, it's difficult to plan for the Patreon. Uh, we've been pushing a lot of the fun stuff like, uh, you know, some of the randomness and some of the random takes and, and that type of thing to Patreon. And really that's stuff that probably belongs more on, yeah. on the ad based. Right. Plus it, it, you, you guys don't know what's coming on Patreon. So you don't really have like, unless you just love us and you just are down to ride for us no matter what. And that's who's there right now. It, which by the way, we are, you know incredibly grateful for everybody yes. that is that is still doing that thank you for all very us. much thank you all. but at the same time it's it's a slow drip we lose we, we lose patrons every month as it currently stands yeah um, and, and, and as i spoke to a little bit the, this year unfolded in a way that um you know for both obvious reasons and then personal reasons it was uh, we weren't able to really put as much focus into this sort of planning as we would have liked and and as a result that's why i'm so thankful for everybody who really has powered through and stuck around with us on patreon throughout the course of 2020 because it meant a lot and i'm aware that, that the offering could be better that's why we're now looking to improve it and bring something that i, I genuinely believe everybody will love um yeah so th so this is i mean this is huge because you are going to know exactly what you're getting on patreon every, every single, single week, week. Throughout, and, throughout the whole freaking year for for two years probably probably and on top of, and on top of that um if what you like if if one of your favorite things about listening to our show is hearing us talk in specifics about tel television episodes and about a TV program overall that's where you're gonna get it we are going back to potentially the most hallowed show of all time ripe for discussion, ripe for those types of breakdowns, ripe for, for discussion. And that's going to be on Patreon. And, um, you know, we're still going to find a way to, in, to include some of the other things that, that you've come to know and love about those Patreon episodes. I think that the, the plan is to kind of sprinkle in hotline calls, uh, throughout. Yeah. We can work um, stuff like that. Don't, don't, and don't be mistaken if there's a week like, you know, there's a crazy holiday or something. And like, maybe we do take a week to do something. It's just, on a general schedule, we're going to do an episode of The Sopranos per week. Now, if there's ever a special circumstance, we'll obviously inform everybody and then fill that with something else. Maybe we do a hotline call episode between seasons or something like that. We're ironing out the details on that sort of thing in the coming weeks, but December week one, we will be doing The Sopranos season one, episode one on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. You're going to see all the tier changes that are made. If you're in the Mollusk Militia, stay in the Mollusk Militia for now. We will give you full details on everything the Mollusk Militia will entail in 2021, or starting in December, I'm sorry. And um, then there will be another separate tier that is lower for people who just want this weekly Sopranos coverage and nothing else. They'll get nothing in, uh, on top of that. Mollusk Militia, we're coming up with everything that you're going to be offered still, as I've said. Ironing out the details, very, very, very excited. Yeah. For patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, starting in December, going back to The Sopranos. It has been years since I've done a rewatch. It's been too long, frankly. I think it's been the longest amount of time that's passed since I fell in love with this show when it was on TV. 
Um, I cannot wait to get back to dishing out Sopranos takes and speaking in a New Jersey accent unintentionally, just randomly, because I'm watching so much of The Sopranos. Yeah. It's going to be a blast. Now, on the other front, in terms of huge announcements for this week, and Barrett started talking a little bit about it already. Real, real quick, Go ahead, I just sir. wanted to say, Go ahead. If, if, you are, if, if you are ready, if you are not a patron and you are ready to jump in, just full disclosure, the $5 tier, the Crustacean Nation tier, mm. will get you every episode that we do on Patreon. Yes. Starting in December. Starting in so December. The, so right? this month, it'll get you three. Crust- if you want to jump in now and get yourself three extra episodes that are ad-free, they just Correct. won't be the Sopranos yet. But Crustacean, but Crustacean Nation and Mollusk Militia starting in December will get the same number of podcast episodes. Ross alluded to the fact that we are working out all of the, the, the extras that you will get for staying with us as a, as a, as a real one, as a day one. As a as a as a big time supporter of the podcast, as a as an OG, as a member of that mosque militia, we will have a, a an expanded offering for that tier as well. Yes, very much looking forward to that. And uh, again, we'll we'll bring more details in the coming weeks before December, so that you're aware of what's happening. So thank y'all, everybody who's on in the mosque militia and in the Crustacean Nation and our wiretapper. <laughs> On Patreon.com. It, 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 it is, it is sad. Guy. It's sad to announce that November will be the last wiretapper. That's the month. last month for the wiretapper. I'm this sorry, guy wire, was, I am sorry, wiretapper. We got to send him a letter, like some kind of handwritten letter, just a real short thank you letter for being a wiretapper, <laughs> for being our wiretapper. On the regular show, on this show, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube.com slash Media, where you can watch every episode of OCC starting in December as well. We're going to be doing, uh, and, and we gave you some examples of this already. We gave you uh, the full episode about The Vow. We gave you an episode that was more general uh, television entertainment talk. And what we want to do in 20, December of 2020 and into 2021 on this show, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on our general, as we refer to it, our ad-based episode every week. We want to bring you all stuff that's not so viewership intensive, that doesn't require you to watch so many hours of TV every week. It doesn't require you to have to have kept up with three different shows to be able to listen to the whole podcast. There's too much either skipping or people fall behind or you're having to jump around or you're watching this show and not that show. It's also, as I mentioned, it's a lot for me, just for me to be able to do, for Barrett to be able to do. It's a lot for us to watch. So we're going to be doing a more relaxed, spoiler-free, not episodic, breakdown-focused version of the podcast starting soon. And it's going to be uh, more general, I guess you could say. Barrett and I want to do more. Well, tidbits and such is basically going to be the podcast. Like that was a segment that was born of this desire for Barrett and I to talk more generally about television, film, and entertainment, pop culture, Hollywood, and the like. As as such, we saw how much we enjoy it. We saw what it resulted in. We saw how much y'all enjoyed it. We saw that was the obvious direction to take the show. And as such, we are doing it. It just won't be tidbits and such necessarily. It's just oysters, clams, and cockles. That's what you get here general television film and entertainment talk every week we're going to talk about the latest and greatest that y'all need to know about we're going to talk about what we are watching but more generally we'll do stuff like if barrett watches a show i haven't watched yet he can pitch us all on it if i watched a movie i can pitch y'all all on it we can do review discuss generally enjoy ourselves and laugh together in a way that doesn't require us all to watch an ungodly and frankly unhealthy amount of television each and every week so that's what's coming that's what we've already started the process of doing as I said, when it comes to Patreon, details coming in the coming weeks, starting in December, season one, episode one of The Sopranos, and starting really, frankly, now, this show every week should be much more accessible to all y'all. There are a couple things Barrett and I are still talking about wrapping up, like Yellowstone. I'm basically just working my way through it when I can, and we're talking about it. I mean, that's <laughs> it's, it's falling into the mix of 
This is the way we operate the show now, right? Like if if when we when we get through stuff and we want to discuss, we will. And sometimes there will be things where we're like, let's talk about season two of Yellowstone. This is chaos. And if you haven't watched it, maybe you will want to skip. But more in general, the show, the bulk of the show is going to be friendly to everybody every week. So you can tune in every single week here on Oysters, Clams, and Cockles and enjoy what Barrett and I are bringing you. And just from a full disclosure standpoint, the other side of this is, is that our, uh, our business is obviously backed by two things. Advertising. Our sponsors who pay for ads here, which as, as you saw this week, we have three. We're very thankful for them. And then those of you on Patreon, those are the two ways, two ways we bring in money. And in 2020, what we found is that the show was still being seen as this, it was the Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, the branding didn't really make sense. Wait a minute, you have to have watched all these things to keep up. So what we struggled with advertisers as well, which is obviously important because Barrett and I put many, 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 many hours into doing this episode or this podcast every month. And we want to make sure that that makes sense for everybody. And uh, this now gives us the ability to explain to, to uh, advertisers what the show is very easily um, to to get them to support us so that we can continue to do the show, pay for our studio time, pay for the video that we put up on youtube.com slash media, et cetera. So again, thank you so much to everybody who's been riding with us since back when we started covering Game of Thrones several years ago. Thank you to everybody who's gone through this whole phase of 2020 with us. We hope you've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you to everybody who's backed us on Patreon. Just regardless of the circumstances who've been there for us to support us financially and make sure that Barrett and I were able to just survive this year even so that we could get to a place where now we can grow and show you exactly what we want to do with this show. So very excited. Most excited I've been since probably pre-finale or pre-Game of Thrones season eight for what we get to do here. I am so stoked on the Patreon. I promise if you've loved hearing me speak on anything ever, you will love hearing me speak on The Sopranos. And I cannot wait for Barrett to enjoy this thing with me. I'm, I'm very, very, very pumped. Yeah, the, the real thing here, the, 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 um, you know, the ulterior motive for me is that this was the only way I was going to get to watch The Sopranos is if I made it a required viewing for, for work. For, for work. For, and, so and, now the girlfriend's like, Damn and, it. yeah. So now I, now I, now it's mandatory, and now we have to do it. Uh, it's, that's unfortunate, Bear, <laughs> but we do have to do it. We have now announced it officially. It's over. Yes. Sorry, Lara. This is uh, this is happening. This yep. is happening. Strap Indeed. in. You're going to hear a lot Indeed. of Huzzah. Barrett asking for gabagool, and, and gabagool. it's just going to get very strange. Forget about it. Forget about it. Give me a calzone. Oh, I can't wait. Um, the last thing I'll say about The Sopranos is that there was a point in college where I was watching The Sopranos so often. Let's manage some waste. When I would black out, I would just start speaking like I was in the mafia, like I had a New Jersey accent, and it became a real concern for several friends of mine where I, eventually there was almost an intervention type of situation. So, uh, suffice, it, suffice it to say, I'm very surprised about covering The Sopranos on Patreon. Last time, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. That's where you will find exclusive ad-free episodes of OCC starting in December week one, season one, episode one of The Sopranos. And throughout the course of 2021 and into 2022 even, Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Covering The Sopranos. Cannot wait. Going to love it. You will. You are both. Really? Frankly? And that will do it for today's episode of OCC, produced by Mariah Gossett and Mike Moody Garcia of Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas. Huge thanks again to our sponsors from today. We had three Felix Gray glasses.com slash OCC, echelonfit.com slash dragon, and lisa.com slash dragon. Support our sponsors who support us. And as we've said, if for some reason you're not looking to support us uh, through our sponsors, then there's a way to directly support us on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, and you just were told everything that's coming there. So a lot to look forward to. Very exciting things. We're turning a page, a new leaf, positivity. You love it. 
You'd love to see the momentum. Follow us on Instagram at Oysters, Clams, Cockles, on Twitter at Clams and Cockles, and on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. I'm Ross Bolin, and you can follow me everywhere at WR Bolin, at W-R-B-O-L-E-N on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat as well. And listen to the Ross Bolin podcast, my mental health and wellness podcast. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube.com slash Bolin Media, anywhere you listen to OCC, you can listen to RBP, as it's called, the Ross Bolin Podcast. Thank you uh, for your support there as well. And as I said, you can watch every episode if you want to see Barrett and I. Barrett, you want to you give a little wave to the camera here? YouTube.com slash Bolin Media. Watch the episodes. we got a great setup at the new studio at Permanent Record in Austin, Texas. Uh, people have been enjoying it. People are loving it. What do I they, do with my hands? They say they love it. They look, Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. They say That's they love it. That's a Talladega Nights reference. Another great movie. Yes, indeed. indeed. Another great comedy. Barrett, where can we follow you on the social uh, media? At Barrett Dudley on the social medias. That's all I'm going to say because my bladder is about to bust. So Barrett's um, got to go tinkle, so yep. we're done for today. We're gone. We're out. Hope you enjoyed the happy news. Holler at us on social media to tell us how excited you are about 2021, and that will do it for today's show. Until our next helping, adios, muchachos. Adios, muchachos.